Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I hope you're doing well. Uh, and uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 63. Psalm 63, we're continuing, actually, and we're, we're in week 10 um, of our series that we've been in all throughout the summer. Uh, it's called Selah or Salah, uh, which is a word that's used multiple times throughout the book of Psalms, and it means to pause and carefully consider. And, uh, you know, in this moment, I, I know it's church, but I'm pretty proud of myself because week 10 for a guy who's got ADD, that's pretty good. All right. I've had a lot of help along the way, though, uh, Jerry and, and uh, Cynthia and her team and others. But uh, uh, I, I don't know about you. I've really enjoyed studying through Psalms, and we've taken selected Psalms and walked through verse by verse in those particular Psalms uh, what God was trying to tell us through David and others who wrote these uh, Psalms, these prayers, and uh, amazing poetry. And so today we're in Psalm 63. Uh, have you ever been in the desert? Like, I'm not talking about like you went on vacation to the desert. <laughs> uh, you know, some people come on vacation. Maybe you're here today, you're on vacation here in, in the South Carolina Low Country down in Hilton Head, enjoying our beaches and um, our, our fantastic hot, humid weather uh, that we have 10 inches of rain on Tuesday and Wednesday. That happens all summer long, not all summer long, but it does happen. A lot of rain, but a lot of people will go out to the desert. But I'm not talking about being like out on a golf course in the middle of a desert or at a nice resort in the middle of a desert. I'm talking, have you ever spent any significant time out in the middle of the desert and experienced the desert? Cynthia and I went uh, on a missions trip. It was before we had kids it was, uh, with our church in Atlanta. Uh, we went to help start a new church, and part of what we were doing there that week was in Phoenix, Arizona, was um, we were uh, doing a, a sports camp for kids at this school. And uh, w before we went out, they said, you need to be prepared for the heat because it gets up to 120 degrees there in Arizona. And everybody that talks about, like, West Coast heat always follows that up by saying, but it's a dry heat. That is a joke. 120 degrees is 120 degrees. I don't care what kind of heat it is. It is hot. And it was hot, and we weren't even in the desert. We were on a ball field pretty much all week. We were at a school. We were there in Phoenix, and it was uh, halfway decent. But the thing that I noticed about that week, maybe more than, maybe more than anything else, was the fact that we could not provide enough of those thermoses of water for these kids that were there playing the sports and the coaches. We, we just drank it and we drank it and we drank it. We just consumed tons of water because it was so hot and yeah, it was so dry. And what we're going to see today is a psalm that was written by King David when he decided to run away from his problems, out in the middle of the desert. And he spent some time out in the middle of the desert. And what takes place while he's there is Psalm 63. We watch David learn in the desert throughout his life. There was a period of time when he was running from King Saul before David became the king of Israel, and he was running from King Saul. In fact, a lot of people will say that this passage is about 
the time that he was running from, from King Saul, but it couldn't be because the last few verses give us the indication that David was the king. And so this was a period of time. Most scholars believe that this was when David was running from another enemy, and he left another enemy back in Jerusalem and went out into the desert because he was running from his problems. And the enemy that he was running from was his own son, Absalom. And this guy thought that, that his son Absalom thought that David wasn't doing a good job as king. And he decided that he would try to take over his throne. And so what we see is we see David out in the desert running from his problems. And in every case, and in this case, we see that David's physical need while he's in the desert of Judea. His physical need kind of sets us up or is a metaphor for a spiritual need that David finds is more important in his life. Let's read Psalm 63, 1 through 11 this morning. He says this, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh, he says, faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips, David says, will praise you. Verse 4, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your names I will lift up my hands. It's one of the passages that we learned about a few weeks ago when we learned different postures of worship that we find in Psalms. Verse 5, my soul will be, I want you to say that next word with me, satisfied, as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul, David says, clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. I always chuckle when I read that portion of verse 10. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult for the mouths of liars will be stopped. And here in the midst of the desert of David's life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, we see him write this great prayer crying out to God. And you get from reading this, I believe that we receive from reading this, this incredible desire that either is already there or begins to develop in David's life because he's in the desert. And I want to point this out before we dive in any further this morning, that sometimes I know in my life, um, when I'm faced with trouble and I go out into the desert, I'm not a happy camper. I'm not excited about the fact that we have trouble in life, even though Jesus said that we will have trouble in life. And I want to ignore that the trouble is there. I want to kind of like put it behind me and get over it because I don't want to experience the desert. But you know, sometimes the desert experience, whether we're running out in the desert for 
for a financial reason or a relational reason or a health concern or an emotional situation that we're faced with right now. Whatever the reason is that you are in the desert today, I want you to see that David learned something from God in the midst of the desert. And you and I can learn something about God in the midst of the desert. In fact, without those desert experiences, I don't think we can get closer to God. Because it's in those times where we're in the midst of the desert that we can draw closer to the Lord. Now, what David does here is he paints a picture of what desiring God looks like. And I want you to check this out. There's several things that, um, that I want to point out today. First and foremost, David intensely seeks God. And that's the first thing I want you to see is, is that um, uh, we can intensely seek God, or we should be intensely seeking God when, when we're in the midst of the desert. He says in verse 1, right out of the gates, Oh God, you are my God, an acknowledgement that God is in control. And I earnestly seek you. There's a reason that he is seeking God. We'll get to that in a moment. But then he goes on to say, my soul thirsts for you. I want you to think of a time in your life when you've been incredibly, incredibly hungry or, or excuse me, thirsty for water. Uh, water is an amazing thing because um, the more that we need water, the more the desire is there for it when we're in the middle of a need for it. Sean and I went out and uh, we played nine holes of golf yesterday. Um, he had his first nine hole round of golf that uh, he played, you know, most of most of the holes. And I was a proud dad, um, a, a little scared when he is learning to drive the golf cart, but that's a whole nother story. Um, and so Sean, um, Sean and I were out there and we got to the end of nine holes and either I'm really out of shape or it was really hot yesterday and I'm going to choose the latter, okay? I'm just going to choose that one. That's the reason why. And we got done and all I wanted was water. And then I wanted more water, and I wanted more water. And water is something that, like, satisfies us physically when the need is there. And as the need grows, so does the desire to be satisfied by the water. And David is painting a picture of the fact that he is so incredibly searching for God in the midst of this desert, both physically and metaphorically in his life, spiritually in his life. He's seeking after God like someone in the middle of the desert would seek after water. We also learn that if we want to be people who really understand what it means to desire God or what desiring God looks like, it means not only that we desperately thirst for God or intensely seek God, but it means that we desperately thirst for God. Listen to what David says here. He says, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And he says, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary and behold, I find your power and your glory. He's talking about physically and spiritually being overwhelmed by the presence of God. And if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, I want you to capture what happens here. David is away from his home He's away from the sanctuary where he would meet with God. He's away from the quiet place where on a regular basis he's meeting with God. And he's out away from that and he's in the middle of the desert and his longing for God to meet his need 
doesn't go away. In fact, the more that time goes on where he's not in God's presence, the more he desires God. And it affects him physically. He says, I faint, I faint, my soul faints, or my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land. Here's the point that I want to make this morning. David, I believe, creates this contrast of him in the sanctuary, in the presence of God back home in Jerusalem. And he paints this picture of him now in the desert where he's seeking to find God. He's longing for God. And here's my point this morning. I think that sometimes when you and I find our lives in the middle of that desert, the reason that we don't go after God first is because we haven't gone after him when we're at home in that secret place with him. We don't know what it's like to regularly seek after God and the safety and the security and the silence of our own lives. So when we're in the midst of the desert, we go after something else for our hope, for our satisfaction, to fulfill our needs. And if you and I are going to be moved by God's presence, then we must be committed to be in his presence on a regular basis. David was deeply moved by God's presence. He was also hopefully reliant on God. I'm going to skip down to verses 7 and 8. Check this out. He says, For you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. See, when we um, lose hope in everything else, When we lose hope that everything else won't satisfy, man, we're in a really, really good place. Because at that moment, when we realize that nothing else that we've been searching after to fulfill our needs, to satisfy our souls, when we're at that place, when none of that works, we're at the best place possible. Because at that point, at that point, we realize our desperate need for God to come in and to help And some of you walked in here today, and your tendency to find the solution for your desert place has been other things. It's been a lot of other things that this world provides. I've been there too. I've been there myself many times. And it leads to despair, more hopelessness, more depression, more longing. But if we were to reach out to God first to fulfill those desires in our life, that longing in our life, that satisfaction in our life, I promise you we will be filled to overflowing. It will satisfy our souls. In fact, that's the next thing. David is completely satisfied with God. I love this. Um, He says this in verse 5. Going back to verse 5, he says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You know what he doesn't say there is he doesn't say, um, My soul will be satisfied with a bag of chips and some cookies. And he doesn't say, my soul will be satisfied with McDonald's on the way home or a a slider when I get home. He says, my soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. I love fat and rich food. (laughs) Don't you? I I remember a few years ago, uh, I've always struggled with sharing this uh, because fasting is something that you do privately and a few years ago, a number of years ago now, I uh, did a, a, a fast, 
And um, this is the first time I've ever shared about it publicly. Um, but I remember in, in the midst of, of that period of time where I felt like God was calling me to fast, which is, I'm not fasting right now. You can tell about that, can't you? So you're like, he fasted? Really? Wow. Okay, man, I want to go on his fasting diet. Anyway, and um, I remember that when I had that desire and longing for food, it wasn't of cheap, nasty, gross food. Man, I desired a ribeye steak cooked medium rare seared on both sides with some vegetables and a big piece of bread right there. You know what David is saying? Are you hungry yet? You ready? You ready to go to lunch? <laughs> David is saying that's how we should long. Listen, that's how we should long for God. Like the good food of life. <laughs> C.S. Lewis says this. He said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. He says we're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. And he ends by saying we are far too easily pleased. And I think that part of the reason that we're far too easily pleased is, is that we don't find our true satisfaction in God. If we want to be people who desire after God, we've got to continually be dwelling on God. Verses 6, verse 6 says this, when I remembered you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of night. Have you ever had those sleepless nights? Seems like the older I get, the more sleepless nights I have for some reason. Not exactly sure why that is. But David, in, in his time when he's restless, when he's hopeless, when he goes to bed, when he wakes up, he focuses on God. There's a great book that was written probably about 30 plus years ago. I, I Consider it a Christian classic. It's called The Celebration of, of Discipline. A guy, by Richard, uh, a guy by the name of Richard Foster who wrote it. And he wrote this, this book that outlines some of the great disciplines that we can have in our lives as, as Christ followers. And he talks about meditation. He talks about meditating on the Word of God. And there's a few things in there that I'm not like super excited about. But uh, he does a great job of explaining that meditating on the Word of God is not some kind of wacko New Age type thing. That'll tell you to empty your mind. What God says is that we should fill our minds with his word. And that's what David does, night and day. That's what desiring God looks like. And then finally, it's faithfully trusting God for victory. I think he makes this kind of like change in the tone of what he was writing here in verses 9, 10, and 11. And he says, but to those who seek to destroy my life, they shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the, the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice at God. He's talking about his son. Can you imagine the heartache that David is going through? That his son is his enemy. Yet he looks to God for the victory, doesn't he? And if you're here today, and you're in the midst of the desert, Maybe it's been a week, maybe it's been a month, maybe it's been years. 
and you've had a lot of defeat in that area, whatever it is, whatever that desert place is, God can give you victory. He will give you victory. He will provide an answer. Our job is to get in the place where we develop that desire for him. And I don't know about you, but I get done with these different things that David did, and I go, but how do I get there? How do I get from here to where David was in Psalm 63? Well, I think there's two simple things that I think jumps out in this passage. And that is is that our desire for God grows when you and I stop searching for satisfaction elsewhere. That's the first thing that we have to do. Is we have to stop thinking that anything else will satisfy our desires will get us out of the consequences of our sin, will pull us out of the depths of despair. We have to realize that God is the only one that can and will satisfy every longing. And our desire for God grows when we stop searching for satisfaction elsewhere. And secondly, when we spend time with God every day. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower, I I want to encourage you on those two areas. I want to challenge you in those two areas. I've been challenged in my life in those two areas of stopping the need to find satisfaction from other places and to consistently, like David did, spend time with God in that secret place, that sanctuary of our own home, of our own office, of our own quiet place. Just you and God, just me and God. That's where our source of strength can come from. And we expect it to come from a thousand different other places. You see, when we experience the presence of God, that, I mean, truly experience the presence of God in our lives, in the quiet place, that'll be something that begins to grow. And you know, there's a fine line between pursuing the presence of God and pursuing the benefits from God. We do um, a little bit like I did when I was about 16 or 17 years old. I played golf uh, from the time I was three years old. And um, if, you saw, if you ever saw me play golf, you'd say, there's no way. Um, you started last year, and that's fine. I'm cool with that now at, in my 40s. Um, but back when I was 16 years old, my sole desire was to be a professional golfer in some kind of capacity, to be involved in the golf industry in some form or fashion. So my day and night desire was to play golf and to play it well. And then all of a sudden, something happened. God entered my life, and I began to submit my life to him. And so all of a sudden, the desire to grow in my relationship with God came in. And here's what began to happen is um, when I was growing in my faith walk, I began to, to bargain with God a little bit like this. I would say something like, God, I'm going to have my time with you today so that when I'm out on the golf course later, you'll give me a good score and help me to play well. Like I, I went from, from, from that place of, of like, you know, wanting God to benefit my life. And the only reason that I desired or sought after him was so that he would benefit my life. And I know that may be a silly illustration, but we do it all the time, don't we? Like we want something from God. And there's a difference between the desire for the presence of God and desiring the benefits from God. 
If we begin to lay down those things that we're seeking to satisfy every need, and if we truly will spend time in the presence of God every day, we will find the desire for him. It'll grow. So that when we're in the desert place, the first thing we do is we turn to him and to him alone. Years ago, a guy by the name of John Piper, who's a pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church, he's got a great ministry called Desiring God. He's written books. Well, one of his first books was written years ago, back in the 80s, called Desiring God. And he said this, and this has been his statement for all of these years, and it's been so impactful in so many, so many people's lives. He says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that's true, isn't it? He is most glorified in us when we find that we are satisfied, most satisfied in him. And God, that's my prayer for us today. That's my prayer for myself and for my church, your church. God, for the people who are gathered here in this place. God, I pray that you would be most glorified in our lives because we have found our full satisfaction in you. And God, I thank you today for this amazing prayer from David that highlights what it means to be a person who desires you. And God, I pray that we would... um, take this prayer from Psalm 63 and that we would make it our own, that we would seek after you with all of our hearts, that we would turn to you in our moment of need, that we would spend time with you on a regular basis because of an outflow of love for you, who you are, and what you've done. God, may we be people who truly find our full satisfaction in life, in every area of our life, in you. Help us, God, to not be tempted to pursue whatever it is that is pulling our eyes and our heart and our life away from being satisfied by you. God, help us to stop our searching for satisfaction elsewhere. Help us, God, to develop the habit of spending time with you every day. And as that grows, God, I pray that our desire like water will increase. It'll just increase and increase and increase. And God, I pray for those who walked in here today who uh, they are in a a desert place right now. Um, they, they, They need you, God. They need you. What they're facing when they walk out of this building, what they're facing tomorrow, what they're facing in life is overwhelming without you. And God, I pray that they would turn to you. God, for all of us, I pray that we would be um, people who turn to you first. God, that we would seek you out first. God, that our desire for you would grow. God, it's amazing what you could do in and through our lives 
if we, your people, your church on Hilton Head Island would desire you like David did in Psalm 63. Help us to be those kind of people. And we'll wait and watch what you do in and through us. That's our prayer. That's my prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.